Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. Find it here every week on SEM Synergy. Join your host as we learn from the elite of search engine marketing pros and find the winning formula for exceptional search engine marketing. Get the latest news, trends, and analysis in SEO, PPC, branding, SEO design, and analytics. Now, welcome your host, a founding father of SEO and an accomplished search engine marketing scholar, the host of SEM Synergy, Bruce Clay. Welcome to SEM Synergy. I'm your host, Bruce Clay, and this is our weekly digital marketing podcast. I'm joined by Director of Training, Mindy Weinstein, Virginia Nussi, Content Manager, and Community Manager, Christy Kellogg. As always, we have a great show for you today. A uh, big part of it is going to be news, a lot of activity on that. I recently interviewed Google Webmaster Trends Analyst, Gary Ilias, and he shared some information regarding Panda, uh, penalties, HTTPS, and a whole lot more. Uh, it's been a a really, really informative interview. It's about 18, 19 minutes, something like that. You guys ought to all listen to it. Um, later in the show, we're also going to give you tips on how you can create quality content, no matter what your budget. Great. So we have a lot of amazing interviews that we've done lately that are posted on our blog. And I'm going to get to one of those here momentarily. But, Christy, do you want to first run us through some of the interviews you've done recently? Sure. Um, if you come on the Bruce Clay blog, you'll see interviews with key SMX and PubCon speakers. We've talked with Danny Sullivan and Ginny Marvin from Search Engine Land. We had Rand Fishkin from Moz. We had Mark Trapigan and Eric Enga from Stone Temple Consulting. And just today we had Mike King from Rank. But the most exciting interview is the one Bruce did with Gary Ilias. Right. And Bruce, you've had some very interesting things to say from your interview and your chat with Gary. So I thought it would be great for our listeners to hear some of the the amazing golden nuggets of information that he shared with you. Well, yeah. And I asked some very specific questions. <laughs> I mean, there have been things that we've been interested in hearing. And I know uh, that many times those kinds of questions don't really come up, uh, certainly not in interviews for Gary. And uh, he was kind enough, uh, and actually I think it was because he was sick. And, and the way he <laughs> described it is he had taken medication and he was seeing unicorns. He caught him at a weak moment. Caught him at a weak moment. So I asked him the tough questions and he actually gave me answers, which was really, really, really great. Uh, I'm chalking it up to unicorns. But uh, one of the questions, and one that I think almost went pretty viral here, was his response that HTTPS is a tiebreaker at best, that they use it to determine one thing versus another. Um, there's been some you know, consideration about whether HTTPS is required. Uh, I asked him about when updates are coming. Now, that's quite a uh, opener for everybody because it looks like, folks, it's a couple more months and everybody wants to hear this. Uh, we talked about Panda and Penguin in particular uh, and uh, so for things that are quality-based, we know it's months and for things that are link-based, it'll probably be months, although they're still striving to get it into the algorithm. 
And those are things that are you just got to hear the interview to hear what he says. Uh, those things are really, really powerful. Um, I think that, and I asked a question about what we as SEOs can do because, you know, people come to us as uh, an SEO agency and say, hey, I have a penalty. Can you fix it? We prune their links. Uh, we straighten out their content. We fix the duplicates. We totally, totally clean their site, yet they're not seeing the results. And how is that supposed to be beneficial for the industry? And the, and the Google response fundamentally was that this is a very, very complex technical problem. How could it be complex when you only have, you know, 60 trillion pages in your index, each one with 200 links? Why would that be complex? You couldn't imagine. You know, and figure out the quality five jumps away. Well, that doesn't sound like it would be anything that could ever be done. <laughs> so they're having some complex problems. I understand it. Um, but they've been working on it for a long, long time now. All we really need them to do is honor uh, the disavow file and, you know, give us partial credit for having done some hard work. The quality one, that takes a refresh of some sort of file that they've got and, and or maybe part of a database, but a, a refresh is a couple of months away. So we're really, as an industry... We're, we're stuck. And if, by the way, if they cannot get this cleaned up by holidays, there's going to be a whole lot of companies that are going to lose this season. It's going to be a problem. There were a couple things that really stood out to me. One of them was how Gary mentions the 23 points of the quality guidelines. Absolutely. And that means that at Google, they talk about that. They, they think in terms of these quality guidelines and it's, it's, to, to the, those in the SEO community, the recommendation to follow the quality guidelines is kind of rhetoric at this point. Like we've heard it and okay, it seems like the, I'm just going to step back and, and not answer you by giving you this answer. But at Google, those 23 guidelines are like their 10 commandments. So yeah. that was interesting. And then another point um, that Gary made was he said, I'd like to long-term change the thinking of Panda from it being a penalty. He wanted to instead think of it as part of the core ranking algorithm that looks to reward high quality content. Now, if you think about that, that's actually kind of a big shift because um, um, we've always thought about Panda as a penalty. And so it's also a little bit difficult for me to put together the fact that he's saying it's not a penalty, but also that they're requiring this big infrastructure update that's going to also be a slow refresh constant. So somebody that has to press a button, unlike Penguin where they say, oh, we want it to become a real-time update, Panda will require slow, gradual refreshes. Is that really in line with thinking of the core ranking algorithm, or is it more like I'm pressing a button? That seems like a penalty situation to me. Well, it sound, you may be right. It, it does sound that way. And I think that their intent is to have that also part of the algorithm. I don't think they want to have anybody have to push a button. Mm -hmm. The problem they have is synchronization of 60 trillion pages. Mm -hmm. 
I don't, I don't think that part of them are being refreshed with a new algorithm and part of them are still rated by the old algorithm is a very easy thing for them to cope with, especially if they're diverse. And it may be that what they have to do is actually clone the index with the new algorithm and then make it live and then clone that with a new algorithm and make it live. One of the things that I thought was really important when he was talking about the 23 webmaster guidelines uh, and by the way, he was rather specific. You, you have to hear the, the answers he gave. But one of the things he said is, uh, and, and you have to really listen, but what he said was that every, logically, he said that every website is about something. And the keywords that correspond to that about something are the ones you should rank for. But Every website also have these other keywords they wish they would rank for, but they don't have the quality content supporting them. And I think that what happens is people look at this entire list of keywords and say, I've got all these keywords I don't rank for. I want to rank. If I'm ranking for these, why don't I rank for those? And I think that what Gary was alluding to here is on these keywords, that's really what your site is clearly about. And on all these others, as much as you would like to rank, you are not clearly about those as well as other people are. If I had 100 keywords, I have to really be an expert on 100 keywords to rank on all of them. That's going to be hard. I think that ultimately you're going to rank for derivatives of your top five keywords and all these other wish I were are going to be pay-per-click because A, that's good for Google. And B, if you're not an expert, you don't deserve organic traffic. Their job is to give the best organic traffic to the best organic site, not to give it to you because you want it. And unless you earn it, you're not going to get it. And I think it's a matter of targeting. Well, it's interesting because when you're saying that, I... I always come from the training perspective because I teach our training course. And one of the things that we talk about, we talk about themes and you need to build a theme. So it's very apparent what you're about and you can have multiple themes in your website, but we give an example and we actually have a pyramid where we talk about your keyword and your topic. And then the theme is created because you have multiple pages about something and they're all linked together. And an example we give, and it goes with what you just said, what's better for someone? If they do a search for a keyword, is it better for them to get a page on a website where that website has nothing else on there, only that one page? Or is it far better for them to get a result where they get to a website that is about that? They have themes. They have multiple pages supporting that particular topic or that keyword. So, I mean, that's what I hear when you're describing it, and even with what Gary's talking about. If you want to rank for something... You do need to have the content, and you need to be about that. You need to be able to support it, too, with multiple pages, not just the one page, too. The Webmaster Guidelines, the very first item, and we have this in the course as well, is that you have to have a clear clear hierarchy Mm -hmm. and text links that support your hierarchy. It's a directory tree. It isn't every page links to everything. It has to be a clear silo. That's been fundamentally our approach for siloing, and siloing is kicking butt and always has, Mm -hmm. I think that what Google has actually decided is that the Webmaster Guidelines are where they're going. It just happens to be siloing. And I can be an expert on a lot of terms because of siloing. 
but I can't be an expert on 30,000 terms on a normal website. <laughs> I mean, that is a little right. bit reaching deep here, but I, I can do pretty well overall. I, I think that siloing is a big supporting argument for everything he said. Without him actually calling it siloing, he just basically said, Webmaster Guidelines, that's our target. And the very first one is, thou shalt silo. I've just been at training this week um, presented by Mindy and Bruce. Uh, Our SEO training happens every other month in Mm -hmm. Simi Valley, California, and also at conferences. There's going to be a one-day training coming up at SMX East in New York on September 28th if you want to kind of have that firsthand classroom experience of um, how we go over SEO best practices, which really align with these Google quality guidelines. And we teach siloing as part of that. And siloing, yes. That that would need to be included. It's kind (laughs) of critical. Um, So you can learn more. um, You can actually read the transcript of the interview and and watch it. Um, It's 18 minutes, as Bruce said. Go to bruceclay.com slash blog. Um, And when we return from this quick break, we're going to talk about content, which is another big, you know, Google button, how to showcase your business's expertise. Stay tuned with more SEM Synergy coming up. Don't go away. SEM Synergy will be right back. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis, SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Finding links to improve your rankings in the search engines is time-consuming and frustrating for many of us. The Hoth is the go-to company to help lighten your link-building load. Their white-label SEO was made specifically for agencies, in-house SEOs, and affiliates. The Hoth also offers high-quality custom local citation building to improve search rankings in Google's maps and localized results, providing fulfillment for some of the largest SEO companies in the world. The Hoth offers link and citation building services you can trust. Get $20 in link building or citation building credits free by going to thehoth.com slash radio, T-H-E-H-O-T-H dot com slash radio. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. 
So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at box speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. You're listening to SEM Synergy on WebmasterRadio.fm. Hi, welcome back to SEM Synergy. I'm Virginia Nessie. I'm the content manager at Bruce Clay, Inc., and we're going to talk about content. I think part of this discussion has to do with what we were talking about earlier in the show, which was Gary Ilias' recommendations that you create good content. That's not just Gary. That's Google. (laughs) So... I was in training this week, as I explained earlier, and there was um, a a marketer uh, who was at training. She has an SEO agency. She helps small businesses with kind of um, their content, their SEO, and she was taking a lot out of the course, but she had a question for me during one of the breaks, and she said, how do you come up with content ideas? I mean, it's such a competitive space. You know, the web is, is becoming... I know in, in SEO, it can be hard to think of what's not been said yet, but um, I think that's the constant challenge. So how do you create great content for your business, whether it's small or large, whatever your budget? Um, in the content department, uh, this is what we do. <laughs> but maybe, Bruce, you could speak to the importance. Well, obviously, content is one of the things that both differentiates you and engages. I mean, it depends on what your site's all about. Our site is clearly about giving away information. I know it sounds a little counterintuitive, but (laughs) we have always given away information about how to do this right. And that has been something we have tried to do for a very, very, very long time. Uh, We've successfully done it. We've got like 9,000 plus pages on our site. Uh, So we give away information and it's all well designed and and well thought out and, uh, you know, content rich. We do our newsletter with complete articles. We do the blog. We do the website. All of that is a lot of heavy content. So we have been, as a company, committed to content for like forever. The hard part, I think, is coming up with content that nobody else is saying and coming up with something that is unique that nobody else is talking about and asking the hard questions and getting some of the hard answers, much like the interview with Gary, um, we, we have to be in the middle of this. And, you know, you, I think that's where content plays. Interviews is one of those things, those a tip that I would give. Right. Um, and that's what I shared with um, this, this other student is, um, who can your clients interview because it has the added benefit of them sharing with their networks. Definitely. And some of the other things, and you just alluded to it, Bruce, that you know we give a lot of information. We do. We give a lot of information away on our website. I think from a business perspective, if you want to be different and show your expertise, you have to be willing to share something. So maybe it is something that it's the way you do things. It's a technique you use in-house in your office. Um, but you have to be willing to share some of the, again, some of the tips that you have that are your expertise that maybe your competitors aren't posting about. But you have to be willing to give a little because that's the kind of content that people grasp as well. So you give a little bit away, not everything. You don't have to give away the farm. 
on how you do things, but you can give some information, maybe some of the strategies you use, some of the techniques you use for whatever your business might be. But I definitely agree with the interviews also. Expertness, authority, trust. By giving away information that is known to be accurate and giving information that is actionable, Mm -hmm. you develop expertness, authority, and trust. Right. The trust for sure. Um, I think that that is the one of the primary jobs of content. Um, people try, I think, maybe I'm wrong, but I think people try to multi-purpose content way too much. Um, well, I can only write it, and it has to be under 500 words, and it has to have three calls to action. It has to have an emotional hook. It has to absolutely be on topic. It can't be like anything anybody else said, but everybody has to agree with it. And... It should be on a topic that is emerging in order to make sure that social media can talk about it effectively and grammatically correct, (laughs) spidered within days, minutes maybe, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, all of those, when they're on a content writer's mind, really makes it difficult to say, here it is. (laughs) I mean, how do you give birth to something like that? And then... If you're writing some of these larger articles for like Search Engine Land or some other uh, sources, Search Engine Journal, um, you know, they don't consider it awesome until you're at 2,000 words. And I mean, is that really what the world is going to? Is I can't be concise anymore. I got to figure out how to pad it up with more words. And doesn't that just lose the audience? I'm not sure exactly the number, but I think it's like a small fraction of people read past 500 words anyhow. If you go to Seth Godin's blog, his posts are often like a couple sentences because they hit you. And that's the practice of emotional, Mm -hmm. you know, um, resonance. So there's an example of somebody we all recognize as a success and his posts are not several thousands of words. It's the words that you choose. It's the quality again. I think when we come up with posts, we're not thinking about all these, like, rules. We're just trying to be useful, and we're trying to be useful to our readers, like you said, Bruce, earlier, giving information away. Um, And like you said, Mindy, like, we're very transparent. We've had articles that are literally the interview questions we would ask an SEO analyst if they came (laughs) for a job. So, like, an SEO agency can think about those or, like, Uh, a perspective analyst can prepare, like, this is what I might get asked. And I think, too, piggyback on what you're saying, because how you started, those are all great points, but you talked about you want to be helpful to the reader, which means you really have to know your reader. I mean, you have to know your audience. You have to know what kind of information they're looking for. You have to know, like, what, you know, what kind of questions are they going to be asking. And you can find out those kind of things by actually talking to people. (laughs) You know, you can do your research as well, but talk to your customers, ask them questions. I mean, we do surveys. We do one even in training to get to know, you know, who are the training students that come to class? What else do they care about? What topics would they like to see more of? So, I mean, those are the things you can do that will help you so you know that when you are providing information to the reader, you're providing the right kind of information. Another tip that um, I like to give, and I know like there's always mixed feedback when I get say this, is the storytelling. Because some people are like, oh, storytelling, that's so hyped up. But really it works. I mean, it was around 
back in the day, I mean, that's how people learned, you know, think of the dawn of mankind. People told stories and it's because that's how people learn and everyone relates to a story. So from a business perspective, you can think of client testimonials and whether any of those can be turned into a blog post. That's more of a story than anything else. You know, talking about what that person dealt with, their problem, and how you have the solution for them. But it's very emotional. It impacts people. It sticks with them, too. Um, so those are different kinds of content. Now, here's something that should be included in every content, which is some kind of engagement object, some kind of visual aid. Um, and this is a process that we've developed in the content department here um, to make... because. While we are kind of a mid-sized business, while we have a design team and we could ask our design team to create visual pieces for every piece of content, um, that's not really possible because we want to keep up a tight publishing schedule. We want to, you know, have visuals um, quickly. And so um, we use Canva. And um, we, we are investing in some stock photos. We are always looking for new free photo services. Um, Christy can probably talk to the kind of process that we have for, for creating images with all of our content. Yeah, we love images. Um, and it's important if you're a business not to violate any copyright issues. So you have to first either purchase them or find great free ones. And I actually like the free ones more, not just because it's free, but because oftentimes they're more creative than the stock photos you'll find on a stock photo site. So my favorite site to get free images from is stocksnap.io. And that um, showcases the photos from photographers and they put them there for free with no licensing requirements um and they're really beautiful photos i think one of the most important things to think about when selecting a photo is to get creative like if possible don't just show a picture of a computer or a phone if you're talking about mobile like make an extended metaphor or an analogy and then have a photo of something more engaging um because photos are really helpful and then we also put text on our photos sparsely and getting to the point just to let people know what they're going to be clicking through to. And to add to that, um, we, we've got a growing style guide um, because we do have multiple writers and we all kind of have a different eye and different taste. So, but to keep the brand um, image kind of unified, we've picked a couple of fonts that we always use because we know that they match the website. Um, we talk about, you know, the grace the scale or the transparency of a box that you can put over an image um all this being said it's like um ways to unify um the the visual assets um so that they always are to brand yes i'm doing a presentation at pubcon on keywords and part of the presentation one of the speakers is going to be very advanced and we have overviews and we have training and we have all sorts of spins on on keywords i mean keywords have been sort of beaten to death over the years but uh the image that i'm going to use there is the one that we had on our blog post and and that one in particular is useful for a keyword presentation because it says a rose by any other name would not get as much traffic (laughs) (laughs) and it's a picture of a rose and you know something that is exactly about keywords you can't invent keywords and expect people to know to query for them so you know images 
not only engage, not only pretty up the page, if you will, but they also make people think. And uh, that, I think, adds to the quality of the content. So content is always one of our favorite subjects, and that was great to talk about, but sadly we're out of time. You can visit our blog to get more great content writing tips. Go to bruceclay.com slash blog. We want to thank our listeners for tuning in today. Tell us what you thought of the show by reviewing the podcast on iTunes, which you can do by going to semsynergy.com slash iTunes. We'll see you next week for more SEM Synergy. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.